Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. For those of you I haven't met yet, I'm Pastor John, one of the pastors here at Stonebridge. And for those of you who have been here the last few weeks, you likely remember that a few weeks ago I said one of the most profound things I think I've ever said. When I said important means important. It's actually one of the silliest things I've ever said. And before the 4th of July weekend, some family members watched the service online. And throughout our celebration for a weekend, I kept hearing over and over again, important means important, right, John? Important means important. And all I could think was, I hate the internet. (laughs) Well, important does mean important. And we are here to look at an important scripture today. We're continuing our sermon series entitled Summer in the Cities, where we're looking at the book of Acts and looking at the way in which God's word spreads throughout the world through the church. And today we come to the island of Malta. We're actually jumping to the end of Acts today. We'll go back to some earlier stuff. But I thought it'd be good to look at this passage in Acts 28 because it helps us to step back before we finish this sermon series over the next few weeks and really look at what is the book of Acts? What is this book actually trying to help us understand? So we're going to go to the ending of it today. Not the exact ending, but close to it. I'll be reading from Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. And I invite you to hear the word of the Lord. After we had reached safety, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The natives showed us unusual kindness. Since it had begun to rain and was cold, they kindled a fire and welcomed all of us around it. Paul had gathered a bundle of brushwood and was putting it on the fire when a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, This man must be a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were expecting him to swell up or drop dead. But after they had waited a long time and saw that nothing unusual had happened to him, they changed their minds and began to say that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It so happened that the father of Publius lay sick in bed with fever and dysentery. Paul visited him and cured him by praying and putting his hands on him. After this happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They bestowed many honors on us. And when we were about to sail, they put on board all the provisions we needed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And please join me in prayer. Lord, You've brought us all here this morning so that we can hear your word, be shaped by it, be formed by it, so we can be sustained and nourished by your Holy Spirit, so we can lift our voices up to you and worship you. Lord, we know you are here in this place with us. So we ask that you would now speak to us, that your word would confront us, that it would would encourage us, that it would spur us on to be your followers in the world, Lord. Help us to learn from the example of your early church. Help us to learn from the example of 
the natives on the island of Malta. Help us to learn that we might be your disciples and followers. We thank you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As I said, Acts takes us to the island of Malta now. And Malta today is the Republic of Malta. It's an island nation, an archipelago nation, which I'm pretty sure I pronounced that correctly. But that means a group of islands together that all form a nation there. And Malta has a long history. People have been living on these islands since about 5900 BC. And it's had a relatively important history because it's an important naval post. So different empires have tried to take it over so they could use it as a stopway in the sea there. Paul, though, when he's brought to Malta, it's not under the best of circumstances. He's not necessarily trying to get to Malta. What has happened right before this is he's on a boat sailing towards Rome trying to get to Rome because he feels that that's where the Holy Spirit has been calling him. And a storm happens. And amidst the storm, there's a shipwreck. And Paul and his friends wind up floating up onto the island of Malta. It's where they find refuge in this shipwreck. And when you read this story, I think it's really easy to focus on the snake, the viper here. It's easy to focus on the snake in this story because it seems like the most dramatic part of the story. Paul gets bitten by a snake and it's dangling from his hand, we're told. It's attached to his hand. I say it's easy to focus on the snake because when I look at different commentaries, writers who have reflected on this passage, it seems to be what a lot have focused on. In fact, there was one commentary I read that spent more than two pages trying to determine what kind of snake this could be. I'll just confess to you all, I didn't do my homework, I didn't read it, it was very boring. But there is a problem with this here. And this is why people have focused on the snake, at least one of the reasons. In today's world, on the island of Malta, there are no poisonous snakes. So it's very likely that there weren't poisonous snakes back in Paul's day either. So people have tried to figure out, well, what kind of snake could this have been? What kind of snake was this that actually bit Paul? We shouldn't focus on the snake too much, though. And whenever we come across passages like this one, I think you have to be cautious for a number of reasons. One of the reasons you have to be cautious is because people have taken this passage in Acts 28, and they've taken Mark 16, where it says that Jesus' followers will handle snakes and not feel the consequences of it. And they've taken them literally. And you may not know this, but there are communities of faith here in the United States that literally handle poisonous snakes as part of their worship, trying to lift up their boldness, their faith. They try to model that by handling poisonous snakes. If you go to these communities, though, you'll see that a lot of the snake handlers, their hands are atrophied. They're swollen. They're missing fingers. Because, as it turns out, handling poisonous snakes isn't good for you. And the promise in the scripture isn't that every single time you're going to be protected from this. In fact, we know that since the 1920s, when this is first documented, at least over 100 people in the last 100 years have died from this. There was one pastor who encouraged this practice, and he confessed snake handlers get bitten all the time. 
and every few years, someone dies. Sadly, that same pastor died a few years later from a snake bite. So, as we're looking at this story with Paul, one thing I want to make very, very clear, we have to be careful reading these stories and just be careful with snakes in general. You might be able to tell that I'm a parent of a toddler right now. Just don't pick them up. Just run away. Leave them alone. Let them do their thing. So that's one reason I think we do have to be cautious with this type of a story. But another reason is people might not take it literally, but they might interpret stories like this one to say, well, we should take some unnecessary risks. We should just take some risks that we don't have to take because God will protect us and we will boldly go out in faith. That's not the lesson of these stories either. Because remember that when Jesus was in the desert being tempted by Satan, he said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. I have a friend who's a missionary. She's a missionary now with what's called the Mercy Ship, which goes around Africa, and they perform surgeries um, on the coast of Africa. People will come onto this big boat, and they'll perform surgeries for people who can't afford medical care. But before that, she was a missionary with what's called YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And she found herself decades ago in what's called Kurdistan, northern Iraq. And she was there because the people there didn't have clean water. So they were there to spread the gospel and also to help the people learn good water practices, how to clean their water, how to avoid illnesses. And one night, she and a couple friends were invited over to somebody's house, one of the people who lived there in Kurdistan, and they were served dinner. And she was given a glass of water that she knew she shouldn't drink. But she found herself rustling because she'd read some passages that said, whenever somebody gives you hospitality, accept it. So she had this decision to make. And she decided to boldly invoke Mark 16, the passage I mentioned, that says Jesus' followers will handle snakes and they will not feel the consequences. And she drank the water. Two days later, the British military had to come and airlift her out of the country because she had such a severe form of dysentery. And when she told me this story, she said, I don't interpret those passages the same way anymore. So learn from her example here. Don't put the Lord your God to the test. Don't read these passages and start saying, let's all go take some unnecessary risks. There are things, tools God has given us to preserve life so that we can continue to spread the word of hope that God has given us. In general, I don't think it's very good when we come across a passage like this to focus on the snake too much. Because actually, when you read this passage and you look at it, and you look at the book of Acts, the, the deal with the snake here is not the most important part of this passage. We have to step back, though, and ask the question, what is the book of Acts? What is this book trying to do? What is Acts? In today's world, we all have books that have introductions that say very clearly, this book is a history of ornithology. I'm sure you have never read a book like that. It's the study of birds, by the way. Um, I should have learned up what the study of snakes was, huh? I don't know. What is it? Okay, well, there you go. Ruth, Ruth knows. <laughs> but you have these books that state clearly what the subject matter is, what you're going to be talking about, so you know what the actual overall theme is. That just isn't how literature in the ancient world worked, and that's true of the books in the Bible as well. Most of the time, these books 
are from anonymous authors that our traditions have guessed who the author was, but it doesn't state clearly who the author actually is. And that's true of the Gospels and it's true of Acts also. And with the subject matter, what the actual theme is, there's all sorts of debate, and that's true of the book of Acts also. What is the book of Acts? What is it actually trying to tell us? Big picture here. Some people have said that the book of Acts is a biography of Paul, that it's meant to convey the life of the Apostle Paul because he is prominent in it. But there's a few problems with that. We don't get Paul's birth story. And in ancient biographies, often you get the birth story. We also don't get Paul's death story. So we don't get the full life of Paul. And he's really only the central character for about a half to two-thirds of the book. So I don't think that makes sense about what the book of Acts is. And others have said that the book of Acts is trying to narrate for us the transfer of power that took place in the early church from Peter to Paul. The first half is focused on Peter. He's one of the main characters. And then Acts chapter 9 hits. And all of a sudden, Peter isn't as prominent. He shows up here or there. But the, the focus shifts to Paul. The problem with that one, though, is that there is no clear transfer of power. If that was the point of the book of Acts, if that was the central theme of this book, we would have Peter passing the baton to Paul more clearly. But it just doesn't take place that way. There's a gap there. Paul just kind of shows up. And then other people have said that the book of Acts is meant to convey the triumphs of the early church, the early victories of the church. But again, there's a problem with that. These are stories of people being stoned, being beaten, losing their lives, dying, being thrown in prison. It's not exactly triumphal in the way ancient triumph stories go. So I think the best way to think about the book of Acts, the the theme of the book of Acts is that this book, at its core, its main theme, is that it is documenting the initial spread of the word of God. Acts is about the spread of the word of God. And all of the human characters in it are actually secondary. The main character here is the Holy Spirit working through different people. And it's about this word of hope, this word of resurrection spreading. In Acts chapter 1-8, the very beginning, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says that the Holy Spirit will come upon them and they will receive power. And that they will be Jesus' witnesses to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what then happens in the book of Acts? Jesus' disciples, they start out in Jerusalem, which is the biggest city in Judea. And then as the book progresses, they spread out to Judea, the whole region, essentially the state that they live in. And then in Acts 6 and 7, the word of God makes its way to Samaria, just like Jesus said it would. And then in Acts chapter 8, Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, has an interaction with a royal official from Ethiopia. And then at the very end in Acts 28, Paul makes his way to Rome. To somebody in the ancient world, Ethiopia and Rome were the ends of the earth. The whole point of this book is to show the word of God spreading. To show how this word of hope and resurrection is spreading to the places that Jesus declared it would spread to. And showing the fulfillment of that. So the main character is the Holy Spirit 
The secondary characters are all the people, which is why you kind of see that there are some gaps in the stories of the individual human characters. Because the movement of the people of God, it represents the spread of the word of God. And they fit into the story in as much as they contribute to the spread of the word of God. That's, I think, what Acts is showing us, is how this word spreads throughout the world. So, understanding that, we go back to the book of Acts, to Acts chapter 28. And I think to help us understand this story and what is actually most important here, not what is most dramatic or what stands out initially to us, but what is most important to the story in the book of Acts, we ask the question, how does this snake bite actually move the word of God forward? And when you ask that question, I think the answer is, it doesn't really. Literally, the author of the book of Acts says nothing unusual happened here. Paul gets bitten by the snake. He shakes it off. There's actually not a lot of evidence that a miracle occurred here. Notice the writer of the book of Acts doesn't say that Paul was healed by the Holy Spirit or that the Holy Spirit protected him. Again, today's world, there's no snakes on the island of Malta. Nothing unusual happened here with this snake. The natives there think that Paul is a god. Notice, though, this is funny. This is a side. This has nothing to do with the preaching point or anything like that here. But we have another story where Paul earlier was confused for a god. And he corrects everybody. He, like, screams in a marketplace saying, no, I'm not a god. Here, he just kind of seems to move on. I don't know if he decided, like, hey, I want to get the benefits of being a god or something. I don't know. Unlikely. But he doesn't correct them this time. But none of that actually moves the word of God forward. It's just an interesting little story here. So then the question is, what does move the word of God forward in this story? In the narrative here, what actually helps the word of God continue to be spread? And we're told that nothing unusual happened with the snake bite, but this passage does tell us something unusual was here in Malta. It was the kindness of the natives. If you caught that at the very beginning... The natives showed us unusual kindness. Now, in the Greek, the word there actually is barbarian. Barbarian is the word there, which is a little different than native. Barbarian is the outsider. It's anybody who wasn't Roman. But the barbarians there on Malta showed unusual kindness. Paul and his friends have just undergone a shipwreck. They were traveling they were then in danger. They wind up on this island, and they have to learn what the island's name is. They didn't intend to go there. But what do these barbarians do? Though it's raining, though it's cold, they create a fire for these victims of the shipwreck. And then we're told Paul ends up staying in the house of Publius, the leader of the island. And Paul's there for three days. Publius extends his hospitality to people who haven't done anything for him first. Once Paul is staying there, then he starts to heal Publius's father, and he starts to heal people on the island, but the hospitality was extended before Paul did anything for the people of Malta. This unusual kindness, that's what moves the word of God forward. And how does this section end? They give Paul and his companions a ship, and they give them whatever provisions they need to get to Rome. 
to get to where Paul is supposed to go so that the word of God can continue to spread. If in the book of Acts, the movement of the different people represents the spread of the word of God, it's the unusual kindness of the barbarians that helps the word of God spread in this story. It's easy to focus on stuff like the snake. It's easy to get caught up in dramatic moments. It's easy to expect that big events are going to happen in our lives, to hope for that, to hope that God's going to do a big miracle in our lives. But the point of our lives isn't big events. The point of our lives isn't miracles. And even in the scripture, the point is never just the miracle. Miracles are meant to point to something else. Dramatic events are meant to point to a deeper truth. They're never the point in and of themselves. The point is always this news of resurrection, of hope, of a God who is redeeming this world, spreading so that people can deepen their hope in God. In the book of Acts, the point is the spread of the word of God. And in our lives, the point should be the spread of the word of God. And one of the best ways to spread God's word, to deepen somebody's hope, to help them understand that there's more to life than the brokenness they've experienced, is to extend unusual kindness. A kindness that they might not be expecting. Though they might be a barbarian to you, though you might be a barbarian to them, extending that unusual kindness, that helps the word of God spread. So reading this story, reflecting on this, the book of Acts I think the question for us is what unusual kindness might you show that the word of God might spread? What might you be able to do to somebody who wouldn't expect it that they might experience unusual kindness reflected in the God that we worship? That they might understand that God is real through you? This next week, what might you be able to do? This next month, throughout your life, what unusual kindness could you show so that the word of God can continue to spread and so that the story in the book of Acts continues through us here today? It's easy to focus on the snake, but nothing unusual happened there. The kindness of the barbarians is what moves the word of God forward, and it's what should spur us to action today. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for the example of those barbarians on Malta. We thank you that they showed that kindness to Paul and to his companions. We thank you that through their example, your word continued to spread, that Paul's ministry continued and that he made his way to Rome. We thank you for how you provide but we thank you for the kindness that you extend to us. Help us to extend that same kindness to others, Lord. Help us to surprise people with the kindness that we display. Help us to follow in the example of those barbarians on Malta, that your word might continue to spread.
I can see the